Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Caleb Frankert, and today I'm joined by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Jason Burnell. Hey, Caleb, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Nope. I mean, not without alcohol. Woo! That's correct. <laughs> Let's mix <laughs> we it We haven't up, even buddy. started yet. <laughs> Man, All right. we're extra jubilant today for some reason. Well, it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, it has. It has. Yeah. This, the world isn't that jubilant, so no, we're just going to fake so it. so <laughs> again, yeah, our joy has to be inside of these four walls now. That's right. That's There's right. plenty to be happy about, Jason. That's true. <laughs> you today, made me a drink. I'm super happy. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick. I'll set yeah. up the episode here today. We try on this podcast not to be too headline-driven or too worried about what's going on in the world today because... A lot of times, you know, people find out about this podcast and they go back six months, they start listening. This could be old news. So uh, I hope so. (laughs) Hopefully. Yeah, I hope so, too. Hopefully this should be good fodder, I guess, for someone down the road for the next time we go through this. But it is kind of timely and it's it's about time that we went through this. So we're going to do it. We're going to talk about the markets. We're going to talk about headlines. We're going to talk about pullbacks, corrections, bear markets. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) And we're also going to enjoy a nifty little cocktail that I just discovered called the bull and bear cocktail. Yeah. So quite appropriate. We're going to get into why the markets are acting like they are, how to keep a level head when the markets are doing what they're doing. We've titled this episode... Staying sane when markets are crazy. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so, Jason, are the markets crazy right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a volatile time. I mean, save it for later. Yes, <laughs> people are worried. Let's put it that way. You know what I'm not worried about? What drinking, drinking. during office hours? <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit about this here cocktail, the Bull and Bear cocktail. It, you know, it's delightfully. It's pretty looking. It looks like uh, it's uh, not the most manly looking drink. No, no. I feel like a lady right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you look like one, sir. (laughs) I did shave my beard. (laughs) All right. I'm going to take a sip of this and then I'll explain what we're drinking. That Hmm. doesn't even count as a bourbon cocktail. That's so good. (laughs) Oh, man. I can barely taste the bourbon. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's there. It's there. It came, came to me afterwards there okay let me take another sip yeah <laughs> hmm it's kind of summery i like it's it. very summery it's very summery yeah deep-seated um, hope inside of us <laughs> yeah yeah uh this this is a uh this is a beach cocktail in my opinion yeah that's good okay so what we're drinking here the bull and bear cocktail i don't have any origins uh i don't have any controversial history like we do sometimes we developed it here uh, I did not develop it. Oh, okay. Although, the funny <laughs> thing is, uh, what we got here, uh, it, it is a bourbon cocktail, although it really doesn't taste like one. If you're a listener and you've avoided bourbon cocktails, maybe you don't like the fire water. This might be one to... It reminds me of the Scofflaw a little bit uh, in that it was a, a pretty sweet and citrusy kind of drink that used uh, a rye in it. Yeah, if you're a bourbon guy... This is probably not the best no. cocktail. You I mean, you wouldn't have fashions. one of these every night. That's for sure. No, this is vacation drink, in my opinion, which reminds me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on vacation next week. Woo! We are going to Disney World. I'm sorry. Take the real bourbon. <laughs> I'm going to need a vacation when I get back, Jason. <laughs> what we're drinking here does contain bourbon. One and a half ounces bourbon whiskey. 
I took the liberty, Jason, and I put two ounces in these instead of one and oh, a half. I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we used Evan Williams in this one, the bottled and bond version. So it's a little bit. It's a good mixer, though. Yeah, it's a great mixer. It's a little, little more potent, but it's still I'm not tasting it because we've also got three quarters of an ounce of lime juice in there. I'm tasting a lot of that. Mm-hmm. We have a tablespoon of grenadine. That's what gives it this oh, yeah. pretty pink color. Definitely. And then we've got three quarters of an ounce of orange liqueur. Now, this could be a curacao. It could be a triple sec. Grand you know, Marnier? Grand Marnier. Yeah, it could yep. be a lot of different orange liqueurs. I just went with cheap old triple sec because that was what was on the cabinet. <laughs> I don't taste a ton of it in here. I don't either. But I, taste, I don't I taste, generally. It's the, it's the lime. I mean, that's what I'm tasting. Yeah, that's I, and that's why I think this tastes like a vacation drink, like a beach drink. That's okay. Um, Woo! Vacation when the market you know sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, we shouldn't say that. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll get into the market here in just a second. Yeah. <laughs> what are your impressions of this one, Jason? I think it's uh, it's pretty light, considering that it's got two ounces of bourbon in this mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, lots of orange flavors. I love that. I'm on the vacation drink uh, kind of mentality here. Well, you just got back from Florida. I did. So I did. Maybe, I a, little have sunshine, <laughs> maybe a little sunshine carrying over into your Monday. Yep. So, uh, and you know what? I didn't talk about the uh, garnishes here. I garnish with an orange peel and a Luxardo cherry, uh, which was recommended. We always recommend Luxardo cherry, uh, For by sure. the way. Yeah, this is very limey. It's very limey. I like it. It kind of has a margarita kind of feel to it. Yeah, it I does. mean, it just does. I, I well, I guess it's, I mean, two the, of the ingredients are very similar. Right, so. lime and triple sec. I'm not really. I'm seeing the grenadine, but I'm not totally tasting it. I'm not either. The bourbon is really hidden, which that's that's dangerous. <laughs> well, it's dangerous, but it's also I'm gonna you know I guess we we have never rated cocktails before, and I'm not gonna start now. <laughs> but if I did. It would it would be demerits uh, for, for hiding the bourbon. So I wouldn't use a good bourbon in this. Well, no, I wouldn't use a no, good bourbon I don't in think this. So. No. <laughs> Normally, I feel like if you use a good bourbon in a cocktail, you know, a lot, a lot of people think that if you use a good bourbon in a cocktail, you're wasting it. I found it's the opposite. When you use great bourbon in a cocktail, it shines. I think it would be buried in this one. Yeah, not so. a. I mean, a more of a bourbon heavy cocktail. But I mean, again, there's still two ounces here. Um, somewhere we're somewhere <laughs> somewhere i mean i like my drinks really cold so anytime you uh use the shaker yeah. strain this thing into a glass i like that part so that's instantly like summer vibe for me so yep again wishful thinking total beach vibes <laughs> uh although it's sunny out right now but it's march hey anything can happen so <laughs> Uh, something to fight off the March sadness here in the markets <laughs> recently. So again, we don't want to be too topical. We don't want to be too headline driven. But Jason, this is timely. We're going to talk about the normal throws of market corrections and pullbacks and things of the sort. We're going to talk about declines in the market today. Great. What do you think? Are you excited? I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I've been in this business a long time and it just it's always hard. I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't. Even even all the knowledge we have and the things we hang our hats on, like I don't. Nobody emotionally likes going through this. Yeah, Let, let's just dive right into some of the emotion right. behind it. Like you said, it's it's always hard. And I'm I, look, this is a great career. But whenever the markets just go up, everybody's happy. But people start to question, well, why do I need a financial advisor? And a lot of times, I'll say, well, wait till we pull back, and then and then you'll understand why we need a financial advisor. But it's hard when things pull back too. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Even for us. And I think we know, I mean, part of that is, is it comes along with our clients just feeling like 
man, is this going to stop? Right. And, you know, we're inundated with financial pornography all over the, you know, TV and our neighbor, you know, said they got out or, yeah. you know, they bought, I don't know, titanium and put it in their basement. The market timers come out of the woodwork and we've talked ad nauseum about timing the markets and we never claim to be market timers. The, the truth of the matter is if you could time the market effectively, if someone could, then someone would. And then someone would duplicate the process and everybody would do it. It's just not that easy. So so they don't ring a bell when it's time <laughs> to sell. Yeah. Uh, Jason, wh- what are you quoting? <laughs> this is That was Bill Henry. And this is a book called The Maxims of Wall Street. And I, I, that one has been in my head. Yeah. I've used that one a lot, not knowing who Bill Henry is. <laughs> uh, it's true. They don't ring a bell when you're at the bottom. So... To build on that, let's talk about getting to the bottom. We've had a good run in the markets over the last few years. The perpetual doomsdayers, the perma bears, right? We call them. Um, they've been calling for a market pullback forever because that's what they do. It's bound to happen. We understand that it's going to happen from time to time. So let's let's talk about the different stages. So when we're talking about declining markets... These aren't emotional stages, by the way. These are not emotional <laughs> stages. That's for a different podcast. That's correct. And that is our job to be guidance counselors uh, at some point. We do a lot of that during times like like now. Typically, what we see is you know pullbacks, corrections, and bear markets. And I feel like a lot of these get all muddled up, <laughs> if well, you I mean, will. There's, it's, they don't ever like... They will flash the bear market one on TV, but sure. they rarely flash the other two. They're not as, you know, not as doomsday and don't put you on the doorstep of hell quite like uh, like a bear yeah, market does. They don't talk about the bull market a lot either no. as we're sipping on these bull and bear cocktails. Right. We hear a lot about the bears, but we spend way more time in bull markets, uh, historically speaking. So, yeah, I, I also find bear markets, I think a lot of people have the correct definition of a bear market. That's a 20% drop from recent market highs. Now, bear markets, some, sometimes you'll hear it even in a bull market when things are going well that this stock is in a bear market or this sector is in a bear market. We're going to just talk about broad market indexes um, and we're going to pretty much stick with the S&P 500. We might dig into the Dow a little bit when we look at some of our numbers here today. Sure. Um, but those are kind of the big barometers that people look at uh, as far as stock markets are conf- uh, concerned. Bear markets, 20%. I think a lot of people know what that is. They get that correct when they they say we're in a bear market or we could be looking at bear market conditions. The other one we hear about from time to time is correction. Okay, I hear this one overused and misused all the time. When the market goes down 2-3% in a day, it's not a correction. But you hear the talking head say, oh, the market corrected 2 or 3% today. That's not the case. Uh, That's not even pullback territory by definition. But a correction technically would be 10 to 20% negative from recent highs. Right. Then you've got your pullback, right? Sounds a lot less severe because it is. Pullback is generally 5 to 10%. Okay. So these are things that happen from time to time. And Jason, as of today, when the podcast comes out, this is going to be different when, when this episode It'll is probably released. be all over. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> I hope so. Wishful thing. That would be great, actually. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So if you're listening to this episode, we'll tell you how you should have got through things a couple of right, weeks exactly. ago. Right? <laughs> As of now, I looked at the numbers today. The S&P 500, which is what everybody looks at, is off 13% from recent highs, which sure. were in early January. Um, so we technically, we got into that technical correction towards the end of February, and that's where we've been living for a little while. Right. It feels like we've been there for a long time. Uh, the Dow is down about 11 Uh 
Same thing. We crossed into correction territory, uh, you know, right around there. But I'm going to start from the top and, and talk about pullbacks at five to 10%. Obviously, this is what happens first. Um, there are certain circuit breakers and triggers in the market that sure. will prevent us from going straight to a correction, right? Right. Um, how often do pullbacks happen? Uh, you know, there's a lot of information out there, some of it conflicting, even looking at the same indexes. But we average these more than once a year. Right. And I think that this is something that most investors are pretty used to uh, when they get their statements and they go, oh, you know, I was up last oh, month, but down. I'm down yeah. this month. Well, okay, yeah. we'll be up next month, right? Exactly. So exactly. pullbacks, pretty normal. We average those once a year. And uh, I mean, we depending on how you're what we're buying. If you're looking at an index, though, a five to ten percent pullback may not be as obvious. Sure, uh, there could be components of the five S and P five hundred or the Dow that have already hit the pullback number. Sure, and you know, there's it could be simple rotation in or out of a particular sector, or you know, earnings came out or earnings are going to come out. So yeah, I mean, the pullbacks common. Cool. Yeah, very common. I think we expect these things. They happen more than once a year, and they usually, on average, take about a month to recover and get back, okay? So is something interesting that you said is sometimes we look at the indexes and we see that it's pulled back Well, different components of that index may be in correction territory right. or bear market territory. So what I find interesting about this r- recent correction, <laughs> which we've entered into, is that in the S&P 500, as of the time that I'm looking at these numbers... Over 50% of the stocks that comprise the S&P 500 index were already in bear market territory. Right. 20% off of their highs. So you look at the major indices and you could say, oh, this isn't very good. We're down 13%. I'm starting to worry a little bit. What about if we get into bear territory for over half of the market? They're already in bear territory, which says that the other half of that is holding things up quite a bit, right? So is that a cause to be concerned that things are going lower or is that a, a reason to think, hey, maybe more of the maybe we've seen more of the losing, I guess, already that we, we you know, is not reflected in the indexes. Right? Again, like popular thinking is going to tell you that it's just begun. Only half of the half of the 500 are there and, you know, the rest are going to go. And I, I think that that's, you know, again, it's something you have to like emotionally combat Mm -hmm. Um, and even if they do go to correction or full correction Mm -hmm. or bear market territory you know it's happened before yes (laughs) so and it will happen again it will happen again uh something that i've said a lot in reviews with clients here recently maybe i shared this on a recent podcast but we are off of our all-time highs if we don't recover and set new highs this will be the first time ever ever think about that though right the market has pulled back, but it has always returned to set new record highs. Yeah, I mean, and there's there's some like there's some real value in kind of the adjustment, the rearrangement, the rotation mm-hmm. that comes from selling. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, and you can watch or read uh, news, and it tells you about companies that have just like hit, you know, unbelievable marks that really were unbelievable. So. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's actually a cleansing from from a p- certain perspective. Again, nobody likes to see it, but it does give a, I would say, a, mo- a clearer perspective on the valuation of those companies in the market. So yeah. I, I think there's some health to it. It's it's kind of like that, you know, that controlled burn that you do in a forest. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's healthy for the forest to 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 burn some. 
and you know promote new growth and kind of set a new get net. rid of some of the riffraff some That's of the right. froth right well and there's no doubt that in every one of these scenarios there's a super healthy dose of speculation which we can talk about that <laughs> in a whole different episode yeah <laughs> so we are in a correction jason we talked about pullbacks and how they happen usually more than once a year but it doesn't take a whole lot of time to recover so people get through pullbacks Usually we get to correction before we realize there was a pullback. Um, right, right. So we've been in a correction here for not quite a month, but it feels a lot longer than that. These happen on average about every two years in the S&P 500. So we're kind of right on pace, aren't we? we the last correction would have been March of 2020, which was more than a correction. Right. <laughs> that was technically a bear, bear market. market. Yeah. The shortest one on, on record. Corrections tend to last on average. I thought this was interesting. They tend to last about four months before we recover and set new highs. Right. So at this stage in the game, I think people are feeling feeling the pain a little bit. They've had a couple of rough statements, right? Correct. They're going to get quarterly performance reports that show negative, And it's been a while since we've seen numbers like that. So it's starting to feel the pain a little bit. But you know, we, we could say that on average, we've got another three months to go before we come out of that and set new highs, right? Correct. Yep. I mean, and corrections are normal. I mean, they. It, I mean, the data even gets more fascinating around a ten percent correction. You know, we're using a range of ten to twenty average every two years. It's a pretty broad range, and I would say generally in the last, I don't know, since the last real deep bear market in two thousand eight nine, we were kind of spoiled. You know, not absolutely a, not a lot of corrections on average. So no, in fact, we were guiding clients at that time, right? Sure. That yep. corrections are normal, and we haven't seen them. And bear markets are normal, and we haven't seen them. Will we at some point? Yeah, and you know the the thing that I always say is averages are averages for a reason, right? We usually revert to the mean, right? So if we go, it was eleven years, right? It was eleven years without a, a bear market. So what if we had a couple more and, and they happen more frequently here over the next 10 or 11 years? Would that shock anybody? I don't think it should because that gets us back to the average. Now, that doesn't mean it's speaking, fun. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean it's fun. So bear markets, let's talk about that. Uh, neither of us are forecasting a bear market. Could we go there? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I don't know. Uh, we talked earlier. We were on a conference call with mutual fund money manager and they were kind of doomsday-ish. And it reminded me of a movie that I watched recently. Yes, I'm late to the game. Moneyball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, where Brad Pitt's character is sitting there listening to all of his scouts trying to figure out how to replace talent. And he's just shaking his head going, blah, 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 blah. You don't know anything. You don't know anything. This year is not like last year. Right. No two years are alike. You guys are just basically going based off of what you think you know, and you don't know anything. Blah, blah, blah. Right. That's what I felt when we were hearing all this talk about how bad it's going to get. And it was it was like depressing. Like yeah. I find it kind of unfortunate that you're you're hearing these professional money managers talk about negative GDP in the US and you know after you know the US has come off of a significant GDP year or very very strong. That's gross domestic product. If you uh, are listening and new to some of these acronyms, yeah. So I mean, that's the measure of our output, and you know, the U.S. output compared to the world, that's twenty seven percent of the world's output. Like we have a really good thing going here. So bear markets happen. They are no fun. They're all kind of unique, mm -hmm. but you know, the reality is, is we have to shift our thinking a bit and just realize that. You know, regardless of what the TV is telling us, this is actually relatively normal. And, you know, what I try to put in perspective, uh, especially with clients is, 
you know, I look at these averages, I look at these numbers. Again, I could say blah, 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 you know nothing to myself as well because I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. Again, if we did, we'd probably be sipping on these bull and bear cocktails on the beach somewhere. <laughs> um, but, you know, bear markets roughly every five years, maybe a little under uh, every five years on average. These ones sting a little bit more. They, they last a little bit longer on average, about 12 to 15 months. But it's like I tell everybody, markets usually go up. Right. Markets usually go up. And you could really look at the numbers and say three out of every four years, we're probably going to be positive. So it makes sense that a bear, a bear market every four and a half to five years that takes 12 to 15 months to get out of, that would be our negative year in there. Sure. We take our lumps. We don't always make money. The markets don't average 8% over 100 years because they go up 8% mm-hmm. year over year over year over year. If it did, that'd be pretty darn easy, and I think everyone would do it. <laughs> right. That's why we get clients in here that are like super hesitant. I mean, yeah. it doesn't do that. They know it. Yeah. I mean, you might be up 30% one year and down 10% the next year. Right. And we know that clients don't celebrate the up 30 years as much as they fret about down 10%. Right. That's right? that emotional component of the investing that, you know, they it's hard to see, you know, the losses even though the gains might weigh, well, they definitely will outweigh over a period of time, especially five years. Yeah. This is where it takes really sticking to the plan, maybe putting the statement away for a couple of months, maybe turning off the radio or turning off the news if it's making you squeamish. But right. there, there's some encouragement out there, Jason. So I read some of these statistics. You know, Some of this is from Charles Schwab's website. And I'm just going to, I'm going to read a couple that I highlighted here about corrections and pullbacks and bear markets and the lasting effects and all that good stuff. Since 1974, the S&P 500 has gone up on average more than 8% one month after a market correction bottom. So the bottom of the correction we're talking about, okay? And up more than 24% a year after. That's a, I mean, that's an amazing stat. If you 24%, could, man. So here's the problem. Like you said, they don't ring a bell when you hit the bottom, right? No. They don't ring the bell when you get to the bottom. So who knows how much further it's going to go. And I always say, if we hit that 10% number and we keep going, we probably got a little bit more way to go. A lot of times we see that 10% bounce. Yeah, you um, often hear that referred to as resistance yeah. in the market. So you, it's almost like a trampoline effect. When but we, if you go through the bottom of yeah, the trampoline... Right. <laughs> you, you got some more room to fall to get to the right, ground. Right. So they don't ring a bell, right? But let's say today was the bottom. I don't know. I don't know that that's going to be... If you could tell your clients, look, it's okay... Because on average, you know, we're going to be up 24% a year from now. I think everybody would be pretty happy with that. Right? right. Exactly. So these corrections, they're not uncommon. They're built in, right? We talk about this. It's going to happen. This isn't the first time and it will not be the last time. But there are some words of hope here. There are know? words of hope. <laughs> Let's look at just the last 20 years. So going back to 2002 to 2021, a 10% correction happened about half of the time uh, or, or half so 10 out of the 20 years, okay, 50% mm-hmm. of the time. Average pullback, they say pullback in here, but technically correction. <laughs> right. With an average correction of 15%. Well, we're getting pretty close to that in the S&P at this point. Right, and yep. some days we've, we've been real close to that. Okay, so in uh, two of the additional years that, that they didn't quite, we didn't quite hit that correction territory, you know, just short. You right. Know, maybe nine point, I can remember a 9.8 one time. And I said, good enough, we'll call it a correction. <laughs> um, but despite these corrections, the stock market tends to go up in that same year. Positive returns over the last 20 years in all but three years and an average gain of approximately 7% in those years where we've had technical so in, 10% so in all, correction. So in all of that, you're basically saying that like 
corrections, like we said, equal to new growth. So if this were an average year and we are we are hitting, you know, we're in that average correction. Let's say we hit that 15% average correction. Mm-hmm. On average, we should still be positive single digits this year. I think if we told most of our clients today, it's okay. On average, we'll still be positive this year, I about think 7%. Most of them would be thrilled with that at this point. Averages are averages for a reason. Let's That's look right. at a let's look at a longer term. Right. Let, let's look at the bigger picture. And and we we touched on this earlier. The last bull market, not including this current one, okay, because we're still in a bull market. <laughs> the last one brought gains of more than four hundred percent over eleven years. Right. Four hundred percent. So that was that 08, 09. Right. That was pretty bad. We had a long way to go. But 400% over those 11 years. This current bull market that we're in, going back to March of 2020, that shortest bear market that we've ever seen, we're up over more than 100% yeah. in less than two years' time. Okay? So a one-month bear market, do, if we do, would see another bear market and, and uh, you know we might feel the pain a little bit more than a month, we, we are overdue probably. And we survived a global pandemic. Yeah. Like, I mean, that is like... When you really back out a little bit and go, the economy was shut down. Absolutely. And I mean, you talk about the insult that the economy took at that point. Not only did we recover from that, you know, we we found new ground. The economy, uh, in a, I mean, to some degree, is still fully functional and yeah. not struggling. But there are there are reasons to be concerned. But you know, at the end of the day, we did pretty well out of a pretty horrible situation. I always say that these are averages for a reason. They happen. We don't know what the catalysts are going to be. So I know we look at today and I hate to I hate to do this to our podcast and make this headline driven. <laughs> today we're worried about Russia and Ukraine and energy prices. Inflation. But inflation is something that and we talked about this on a podcast a couple of months ago. It's inevitable. Right. It's going to be high. It's going to be here for a while. You don't print the money that we printed and not get inflation. And that's the key right there is we printed such a significant pile of money. I mean, everybody was getting helicopter money last yeah. year. So in the last two years, really. And you can argue the fact if it worked or it didn't work. The reality is, is those dollars got to work their way through the economy mm-hmm. and things are still stabilizing. I mean, people are going back to work yeah. and you know, supply chains are catching up. So we're talking about inflation where it's at year over year, but demand hasn't shut down. No. Right? Not really. I mean, at least we haven't seen signs of that yet. And we'll know in six months. Well, that's really <laughs> that's the, how it always I happens. mean, I think you ha- we've got a healthy component of clients asking, are we in a recession? And we'll know in six months. We will know in six <laughs> months. But I mean, I would have to argue that you know, a lot of what we're doing right now is just equalizing off the effects of a global pandemic. Right. And yeah, we have a headwind like well, Ukraine and Russia, but it's, it's that's driving the headlines. It is right, right. and that's for sure. I think giving an opportunity for some of these. Uh, I, I think locking in some of the gains over the last bull or bull market, right? Sure, taking some money off the table. The headlines, the excuse to make some money to sell a little bit and look for an entry point to get back in, but. Bottom line, corrections aren't the end of the world, and that's what we're yeah. dealing with. Remember the last bear market was was the COVID crash, I call it, and it turned out that wasn't the end of the world. Are we still dealing with the effects of COVID? Yeah. But I mean, the two, markets, years, two years later. Right. But and that that's the thing. The markets are forward looking, right? Correct. Yep. So we felt the pain in March of 2020 when we realized it wasn't going to be the end of the world. We still had some things to work through. Sure. Markets went back up. So you know, we're we're looking at, of course, at valuations and things like that now. You know, where are we going to be? The market is forward looking. Well, we don't know. But here's some other comfort, Jason. Ooh. 
This is a correction. 80% of corrections since 1974 have not, have not led to a bear market. That's amazing. So there's some comfort there. Have there been reasons to be worried since 1974? You better believe it. (laughs) A whole bunch. (laughs) So uh, going back to, and and this is the last fun fact I think I'll share. Uh, Maybe. Um, (laughs) There have been 27 corrections in the S&P 500 since World War II with an average decline in the index of about 13.7. So we're right there. Could you say that we're on average? You know, they're short term. Again, we talked about four months to get back to to former highs. Okay, so we might have another quarter worth of of, uh, trouble here. Since 74, five market corrections have turned into bear markets. Could we go there? Sure. Sure could. I think we talked about the legitimacy of the last bear market. Did it really happen? I don't know. Maybe it's just an extended bull. Yes, we will go back there. But if we can stick it out for 12 to 15 months, we'll set new highs on average. And most of our clients we're dealing with, their outlook is much longer than 12 to 15 months. I mean... Quite frankly, we wouldn't be invested if it was shorter than that. That's correct. Right? Yeah, we would tell them that it's not, It's that you just can't. It would never be appropriate to have our money invested in the markets if our time horizon were 12 to 15 months. So rest easy, even if you're, and I'm helping, wouldn't you know, a bunch of people making retirement decisions today. Right. And they're concerned. Tons. Man, I, I, you know, I turn in my retirement papers and the market goes down. It's okay. We're going to get through this. Let's talk about some tips, some things that we can do to keep our heads, to stay sane when the markets are crazy. The first one, Jason, I'm going to say, and I'll, I'll, I'll list a couple of them off and you comment. Sounds okay? good. So the first one is, if you have to, avoid the news, avoid the headlines, avoid the radio, the talking heads, and by all means, avoid talking stocks with your friends, especially <sighs> the day trader friends. Goodness gracious. Yeah, this is a <laughs> huge one. I mean, just turn the TV off. Talk to your spouse Talk to your kids, pick up the phone, stay off of Facebook. It's just it's just a recipe for emotional disaster. If you got to look at the headlines, then I think that you got to say, okay, how does this headline affect my long-term goals? And if the answer is doesn't, then stick with the plan. Second thing I'll talk about as a tip, this could be a really good opportunity to consider rebalancing your portfolio or to look at tax, uh, tax loss harvesting mm-hmm. tax strategy. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that is one that we're definitely looking at. Um, if you think about you know big gains that you have, maybe offset that with a loss so you don't have as much cap gains on your taxes. Also think about Roth conversions. Yeah, I mean, it's a big one. You've got a lot of shares that you still own, the same number of shares that you did in January. We've talked a lot about Roth conversions on the podcast. Right. Why not take the uh, the dip as an opportunity to pay less taxes? It's a great opportunity. You own the same number of shares. Just move them over to your... Roth and man, you talk about like Roth conversion on steroids. Once this thing yeah. comes back, it's a great place to be. If we're down fifteen percent, then look at it as opportunity to maybe pay ten or fifteen percent less in taxes. That's correct. So you got you got to look at the bright side. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is look at this for an opportunity to dollar cost average. We did an episode on dollar cost averaging. Right. If you've got money on the sidelines because the markets have been too frothy over the last couple of years, and you've been trying to pinpoint that entry point to get back in. Well, stop trying to pinpoint. That's right. But we're, when we're in correction territory, I just say, put your brain on autopilot and start dollar cost averaging. Set aside yeah. an amount that monthly you're going to invest into your your uh, your funds and then let it do its yeah, thing. Yeah, consider increasing your 401k. You know, Put a little bit more in your Roth. It's Now is the opportunity. Turns out you don't get them that often. No. So, not as yeah. often as we talk about, not right? Not when it's quite this obvious. So just, just take the chance... Um, if you're long-term minded, go ahead, throw some funds at it. 
and see what happens. I mean, it's going to be positive, especially over a five-year period of time. Ten years or longer, and beyond. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Right. All right. Well, this was a fun one. Thanks for having a drink with us this week, folks. It's time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with all of the latest action by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Caleb and Jason. Woo! Cheers. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay, unless otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.